Hello, I'm Dylan. I'm Keon. This is Zenith, that podcast where we introduce our very own Darth Vader, because this week we watched Seek, Locate, and Destroy. There's no and there, but I feel like there should be. In my Terry Nation. Directed by Veer Lorimer. Veer Lorimer. (laughs) And aired on February 6th, 1978. Yeah, so this is the extent of where I think Keon's watched. Yeah, I haven't watched ahead. anything past this. If you have listened to our earlier episodes, you know that I've, I'd watched the first six episodes in preparation for this podcast, uh, but I haven't watched anything past this. Uh, I know most of the big spoilers of the show that are coming up across the big all spoilers. Then Blake is the main character. <clears throat> well, um, <laughs> anyway. That yeah. massive spoiler. Yeah, so I basically I know what's coming, but that doesn't mean. I won't enjoy what's coming, I guess. But you might not enjoy what's coming. No, I, I probably will. I've, I mean, I basically rewatching these six episodes. I basically think they're way better than when I first watched them. And I mean, I, you know, can only go up from here. The show might just here. just tank next week. Episode seven <laughs> might just be the worst episode of television ever produced. <laughs> and, um, and, and, well, and I mean, then... the massacre of Saint Bartholomew's Eve exists. So <laughs> that MacGyver reboot exists. <laughs> Someone was telling me about how good that was recently. Mm, <laughs> no. I only watched two episodes of it, and that, that was enough for me. I Nope. Basically one of the worst shows on television for me. But uh, yeah, this is Blake 7, not one of the worst shows on television. should start a MacGyver podcast. Why not? Watch the original, and then we can watch the reboot and be super disappointed. Just like Doctor Who. <laughs> We should start a CBS Television Universe podcast because CBS, MacGyver, Hawaii Five O, NCIS, and NCIS LA are all set in the same universe. Jesus. Anyway, this episode begins, I guess, in Medias Res because <laughs> Blake just beams. It actually starts with Blake beaming into what looks like an oil refinery, to be honest. Yeah, it looks almost like the same base from um the, uh, what was it? The, the one where they meet Callie. Can't remember episode names. Cygnus Alpha, I think. Yeah, Cygnus Alpha. <clears throat> so, yeah. But this one, I don't know. For some reason, I really thought they were filming in an oil refinery. Maybe it's because they actually filmed in broad daylight for once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... So this is the first introduction of the down and safe line. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I guess, becomes sort of a, a catchphrase, tagline type which thing. another podcast nicked away before we even yeah. considered starting a Blake 7 podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, well, Blake's Blake's on the planet, which is, you can assume is Kentaro, which is where they were going at the end of the web, but isn't confirmed to be Kentaro till like, 15 minutes into the episode. Probably one of those things where they just jammed a bunch of audios in this gap. I wouldn't be surprised. There's, like, a pretty, I mean, you could theorize that there's a pretty big gap there. This yeah. is when we see, also, Villa's color-coded jumpsuit i guess <laughs> yeah for the first time <clears throat> yeah one thing i've been meaning to mention this for like the past couple of weeks but uh i mean this is in the future obviously but they all look like they wear sort of medieval style tunics and whatever so it's kind of strange but uh i mean fashion goes in cycles so maybe maybe it just <laughs> happens that that it, medieval fashion's in right now medieval <laughs> chic all right anyway there's some guards walking by and blake just literally walks right behind them without getting seen you know that classic god looks straight at him and doesn't see him thing 
And that, that <laughs> happens later. Villainous walks up and he's like, so I've infiltrated your base. And I was just wondering where I could get in. They just stand there like, what's going on? Yeah, anyway, well, yeah, Villa beams down and and uh, he's he's he doesn't know where to go. But Blake sort of directs him into the dark alley. <laughs> There's a humorous line where Blake's like, is Villa ready? And Villa's like, tell Blake I've come up with an ingenious new strategy. It's called running away. <laughs> Yeah, Villa got a lot of the one-liners and in this stuff, story. This story. Avon got one. I don't even remember what <clears throat> what what that one was. It's later on when they find out Callie's alive, and Villa's like, "I knew it," and Avon's just like, "No, you didn't." And Villa's like, "You're right. No, I didn't. I'll go tell Gan." <laughs> I mean, yeah, all right. Well, it's not that witty. No, it, it, it's not it's really. Just Avon being Avon, I guess. <laughs> So Villa, Villa beams down because I guess Villa's job on the ship is going to be locksmith. Yeah, yeah, definitely is. So he, well, he goes to open the gate and there's just a small explosion in the control panel. Kind of like that time Avon just set the control panel on fire two weeks ago. Villa just looks at Blake and the camera like <laughs> hilariously zooms in on him and he just shrugs. <laughs> but some guards are coming, so Blake and Villa need to hide. And Villa says that... uh. Well, the the door they need to get into to hide is locked, and Villa opens that one really quickly, and Blake is like, couldn't you have done that for the door we were trying to get into? And Villa says that he can open any door if he's scared enough. But yeah, he has to analyze the gate, because there's some sort of like biometric locking system, and if you have approval, then it just unlocks for you, and you can walk through. Blake asks if he can just climb over, and Villa's like, yeah, if you want to set off the alarms... (laughs) (laughs) i mean it doesn't look like there's any sort of laser tripwire or anything but i mean maybe they just didn't have the budget for it so so villa actually does succeed at getting the gate open and and then then does nothing for the rest of the episode and then they beam down avon and i was like wait a minute why couldn't they beam everybody down on the other side of that gate why did they have to open the gate to infiltrate the base (laughs) gotta pad out the episode duh but, like, that's a <laughs> pretty big oversight by Blake, at least. Blake's really making these missions as difficult as possible for his crew. So they get in. Yeah, Avon gets beamed down. Yeah. And- uh, also, really inconvenient, and they beam them all down, like, one at a time. Instead of just beaming them all down. Gan goes with Avon, I think. And Callie. Yeah, they all, they, three they, of them they go, all down go down at once. Callie's jumpsuit is, like, seafoam green. She really has kind of the weirdest color out of everybody yeah i mean when i when i think of Callie, i always just associate her with red because you know she was introduced wearing that red mm-hmm. thing yeah well now you have to associate villa with red because <laughs> villa's jumpsuit is red gans is like brownie yellow i think They're, they all looked in varying shades of like brown or gray to be honest They're avon is like definitely like show. a blue gray like we yeah. said last week yep. blake's is like a green i guess ish yeah, something like that. So, no, uh, I guess Jenna doesn't have one. Well, yet. Yet. But yeah, we don't you don't really know what they're there for uh, at this point. You don't really figure it out for another 5 or 10 minutes. Yeah, because they're keeping their plan close to their chest, by which I mean they're just not saying it out loud, which which is reasonable. I think I mean, yeah, they're the only ones there and they probably <laughs> went over it beforehand. They need to distract some guards, so Villa kind of just walks up and goes, "Hi." I've infiltrated your base. Can you please tell me where the communications room is? And the guards are like, 
what? <laughs> Meanwhile, Blake just walks up behind uh, one of the guards, knocks him out, and Villa smashes the other one over the head with a suitcase, briefcase thing. This case of lockpicking tools, which looks suspiciously like Avon's long pointy <laughs> stick. Which he uses later in the episode. But yeah, I didn't know if these guards died. Like, did they just kill them or they knock them out? You know? I mean, if they didn't die, they probably died in that explosion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, they get into the the room that they need to get into. And uh, it looks suspiciously, suspiciously like a retooled <laughs> version of um, the lab from the web. That's <laughs> uh, because it probably is uh, a retooled version of the lab from the web. They they have some other kind of cheap sets later on. There's one where it looks like Commander Travis is just standing in a parking garage in front of a concrete <laughs> wall. There's one, Okay, the, the room that Callie goes into in a minute or so... I mean, we often make jokes about, like, oh, it looks like they just recorded in a, a storage closet at the BBC. Now, this one actually looks like a, just a storage closet where they keep all their bins. <laughs> like we said a couple weeks ago, Blake 7 is the epitome of guerrilla filmmaking. They're just filming at, like, all these random BBC office locations because they can look vaguely sci-fi if you film them from the right angle. <laughs> And it's not like it's not like storage closets just cease to exist in the future, you know. You still gotta put yeah. your stuff somewhere. Wow, great justification. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they start setting charges all over the place. Well, Gan starts setting charges. Blake just stands there and delegates and yeah. Villa's like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Avon's Blake. trying to get this device out of this other device. <laughs> yeah. There's some cryptic dialogue about how they need to destroy something, and Blake says, like, now we need to, uh, I, I, I don't even remember what it was, but the, they're basically trying to get the communicator out of the, uh, yeah, out the, of the cipher, system. Yeah, the cipher machine. Yeah, the cipher machine, so they can decipher, um, Federation coded messages, mm-hmm. but Blake doesn't want to make it seem as if they took the machine, so he wants to, uh, oh, yeah. I think, yeah, because one of them mentions, like, can't we just take the machine and, and leave, and Blake's like, no, we need to destroy everything, or else they'll know that we took the cipher machine, change their codes, and everything will be pointless. Yeah, Gan wants to just put one charge in that room that they're in, and that's, Blake's like, no, we need to put two, and Gan's like, one will do. And Blake's like, no, 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 we need total destruction. No, 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 don't try and give the orders here, Gan. I'm in charge. Yeah, Gan. <laughs> Remember your place, Gan. I can kick you off whenever I want, Gan. Just teleport you to space, Gan. Better watch your back when you're sleeping. Might just slap a teleporter bracelet on your arm and beam you into space. You won't even know you'll be dead. Beaming back to sickness, Alpha. <laughs> Now, careful, you might wake up back on Cygnus Alpha again. With Brian Blessed. <laughs> might have to deal with Brian Blessed. Oh, wait, no, we killed him. You want yeah, that to be you again? I wonder what happened to Cygnus Alpha now that Brian Blessed is dead. <laughs> Cygnus Alpha spinoff, when? Maybe the society just fell apart without the charismatic leader that, that uh, Brian, Brian Blessed's Blessed was. character was. Yeah, anyways, Callie is just guarding some prisoners. Yeah, Blake orders Callie to, uh, he orders everyone to, to watch the hallway, but he orders Callie to take all the uh, guards and scientists into another room and just keep them there. This is the storage closet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Callie, you know, it's only her third week and she's just, just already messing, up. messing she's, it up. One of the scientists she, like picks up just a block, <laughs> just like legitimately just a block <clears throat> off of a shelf in front of them and turns around and just launches it at Callie and she's like, ah! <laughs> and they just kind of overpower her and then 
one of the guards starts running towards the alarm, which is apparently outside and like around the corner. So Villa starts chasing him down, and he's, Villa's just just too slow. Actually, that was right before uh, Callie gets attacked. Yeah, right. Because Villa runs in to the room and is like, "Callie, I'm being chased, and the alarm has sounded. Just thought you should know." Yeah, Villa gets <clears> the guard right after he sets off the alarm. So uh, you know, great job there, Villa. <clears throat> Yeah, so the alarm's going off, and then Callie gets attacked, and then so the guards, well, they kind of knock her out, sort of, but not really. Then one of the guards just takes off his helmet for no readily apparent reason. He's like, "Yeah, it's nice. I can finally take off my helmet." Yeah, I thought this was going to be a reveal of like it's it's someone on the uh, resistance side or something, um, because later on or in a minute or so they bring up how resistance movements have started getting bigger now that word of Blake has been spread around. Uh, but no, it's actually just a, just a guy a, just with a, guard. a fabulous mustache. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and then Callie kind of overpowers him, but I think the other guards come running back in, and they there's a scuffle, and her teleporter bracelet falls off. Yeah, so she she has to look for it, but Blake and the rest of them are about to be beamed up before right before the explosions go off. So they beam up. They. They'd seconds to spare yeah, and Blake's like you're cutting it a bit fine Jenna there's a scene where Callie is desperately looking for her teleporter bracelet and there's like a the, the charges are like imposed over her face <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she doesn't make it in time she gets caught in the blast and covered with rubble and dies she was only on the coup for three weeks <laughs> she gets I mean, replaced they, next week they, by... do, they make it out as if she dies there's 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 some question about it. It's not one of those things where, like, oh, she's main character. Of course, she's not going to die. Plot armor. <laughs> I mean, maybe you can read it that way, but I, I obviously knew what was happening. But when I first watched it, I was like, wow, did they really just kill Callie? <laughs> I thought they might have, but no, they didn't. Yeah, so back on the ship, they... Realize Callie's not there. Yeah, but they don't realize immediately. <laughs> they don't realize till off, like five minutes later when Blake's like, hey, I'll have Callie go put that away. And he's like, wait a minute, where is Callie? Yeah, the interesting thing is that Blake only notices that one of his crew isn't there when he needs them to do something. Yeah, you know, kind of calls the question, like, he's Blake's like, hey, you're a friend of mine, right? But are they really? You didn't even notice they didn't come with you when you teleported. I mean, starting this episode and based on things I've read and heard, I think this is going to start being more apparent is that Blake just, he calls them friends, but he basically just uses them as tools, which I mean, might have something to do with like the structure of the show even. I mean, I, I guess I'm just sort of justifying this, but like Villa's only there to open locks. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess that's a fault of the show, but like Blake, I guess maybe just sees him as a, a lock pick and that's it. Yeah, Dan is just there to overpower people. I guess Blake maybe just sees him as you know the brute force of the crew. Yeah, I mean that. That's kind of weird then for Avon's character because Avon always like makes it out like he's better than Blake. But <laughs> Blake I mean, projecting his insecurities. <laughs> it's like Avon would would really kind of do the same thing in his position, just use everybody and then leave. I mean, and we know that's what Avon would do because he's pretty much explicitly said that's what he would do. Yeah, I mean, I just came up with this on the spot, but I actually do like this theory that, like, the portrayal of the characters on the show is, like, how Blake sees them. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Then does he just see Avon as, like, Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, think he do, I think he does. I think he, uh, you know, if this... If, if if you go by this, uh, I guess theory of mine that has probably been made before, honestly, but uh, you know maybe just is really insecure that Avon's there and is potentially better than him at like everything. 
Avon's really the only person who challenges Blake in any sort of reasonable way. Yeah. I mean, I, Jenna kind of does in the story uh, later I mean, I, on. I do think all the other characters are probably more competent than Blake at, like, pretty much everything. <laughs> but Avon is really the only one who, like, steps up against Blake, you know, often enough. Yeah, I mean, Jenna does it, like, right now because Blake's like, we got to go back for Callie. And Jenna's like, if you go back, you're killing all of us. And Blake's like, damn damn she's too smart <laughs> gotta start thinking of a way to, to kill her maybe i should slap a teleport person on her when she's sleeping beam her out into space just beams his entire crew back to cygnus alpha <laughs> take that don't mess with me now will you yeah take that avon you can try to take over my ship avon he just goes he just gets super paranoid and goes insane anyway now we cut to um the federation for 20 minutes of this episode yeah this was kind of it was really drawn out but, but i actually did like how you know, they're actually focusing on the villains of the show and, and you know, fleshing out the Federation as actual characters. You know, we're introduced to Servalan here and uh, her head guard. I don't know if he's actually a main character throughout the show, but... I have a guy who seems really like he might be banging Servalan. Yeah. <laughs> and then he could <laughs> advance his career by by just sleeping with his boss, basically. Yeah, but I mean, he, he, he does seem like he's, uh, you know, in the palm of Servalan's hand at the same time, so... Yeah, yeah. well, I mean... She's she's pretty attractive, you know, I'm not gonna lie. So <clears throat> Okay, but is Servalan like a a title or is it I think a that's name? her name. She's her I think her title is Supreme Commander. No. Oh. And her name is Servalan. She's Supreme Commander yeah, re- Servalan. Real creative titles here, real creative, you know, Supreme Commander, Space Commander. She like runs <laughs> the military faction of the Federation, I guess. When we first meet her, she's in a meeting with these two guys and they're like the president. Apparently the Federation is a president. The president wants your assurance that this Blake guy is going to be taken care of because he's becoming like a legend. She's like, eh, he's just a guy with a ship. And I mean, if he's just a guy, we, we can kill him. He's, he's just a guy. guy. He's an idea. Well, that's what the guy says. He's like, yeah. he, he's an idea. And she's like, eh, it's not an idea. If we kill him, no. <laughs> Finger guns. <laughs> pew, so- pew. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I'm going to call in Space Commander Travis, you know, uh, set him free because he was imprisoned for yeah, there's some there's some really clunky humanity. dialogue in, <laughs> in the Federation section because they're trying to, I guess, Chris Boucher and, and Terry Nation are trying to set up these characters really quickly. So there's some pretty clunky dialogue, especially it's, when I mean, Chief Head Guard comes in. It's not that egregious, but this <clears> scene <throat> does drag on for like 20 minutes. Yes, because once, okay, once... The two people are done, I guess, relaying the message from the president <laughs> to Servalan. She kind of, you know, sends him out and then she's like, hey, where's Travis? He was supposed to be here an hour ago. And I guess her secretary is like, oh, yeah, he just docked. Well, he'll, be, he'll dock in like 20 minutes. And she's like, good, good. Send him in right when he gets here. Actually, no, make him wait. And then, and then we get the scene with Servalan and, and head guard who's definitely... <laughs> Getting in those pants. <laughs> They're like uh, sitting on the couch really tenderly. The guard um, tells Servalan that he's not willing. He he doesn't say it outright, but he he says that some factions are unwilling to take orders from Space Commander Travis. Yeah, because he massacred a bunch of people, apparently. <laughs> and uh, not only did he massacre a bunch of people, but he, he the, there was a, a, an order to stop the uh, attack, but he just killed everyone anyway. Yeah, and then Servalan justifies this by saying an enemy's 
an enemy doesn't stop being an, an enemy just because they surrendered. And uh, I don't, I don't know yeah, if I agree I, with I that. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if I agree with that. But then Servalan uh, tells the guard that he can tell everyone who doesn't want to cooperate, i.e. him, <laughs> uh, that they'll be discharged or something really bad will happen to them if they don't take orders from Travis. And he's like, uh, fine. Yeah, and she basically says, yeah, I'm reinstating Travis with full honors. I mean, I, I investigated his case personally, and I thought he acted reasonably. And the guy's like, he killed, like, hundreds of thousands of people. And she's like, yeah, but, I mean, I'm, I'm going to give him his full rank back. So <laughs> it doesn't really matter now that he has been stripped of his rank before because he's, he's going to have his full rank back, you know? He's, he's going to have his full rank back. Or just, like, great. Great. So they send in Travis. Now, I think this actually happens a little bit later, but we'll just go ahead and explain it now. He comes in, and uh, yeah, he's ba- Travis is basically this show's very own Darth Vader. Yeah, so he, we're going we're gonna to award him the best uh, Darth Vader clone of 1978 award. Right, because uh, as per Mr. Drano's request, we've started doing awards. Except because we're us, we're not doing any reasonable awards like best actor. We're going to be doing really obscure and specific awards because that's how we roll. <laughs> so congratulations, Travis. You're the recipient of our first award. Travis looks pretty cool. He uh, he wears an eye patch. Uh, it looks less like an eye patch and more like they put a black wax on the side <laughs> of his face in the costume department. And um, Servaland makes this remark like can't technology fix your eye and give you like a cybernetic eye that'll be able to yeah she said can't, t- can't apparently th- this part what serverland explains about his face isn't till uh, later on when blake's explaining his relation to travis but basically she says like oh really clunkily like oh you were injured in that one attack weren't you and there was like a field doctor who started the repair on your face why did you never go to like a proper medical technician and have them patch it up so it looks like your regular face again travis is like are you kidding are you suggesting cosmetic surgery servalan i like how i look i think he says that it's a reminder of his defeat or whatever he also says that this way no one will fail to recognize him everyone will know that he's travis yeah you know really just wants everybody to know he's coming i guess (laughs) anyway so uh back on the liberator Blake and them are all listening to messages, and this is when they find out Travis is back, is back. <laughs> <laughs> from prison. <laughs> and uh, Blake is like, oh, God, it's Travis. And they're like, who's Travis? He's like, I thought I killed Travis. And they're like, who's Travis? <laughs> so Blake details his backstory with Travis before Blake. Um, yeah, I, his I guess, mind wipes okay, the an, first time. An, another thing about this scene is that Blake's full personality seems to be back. It didn't seem to be back before this, but... Now he seems totally on board with who he used to be, I guess. Yeah, he just apparently remembers all these really specific details about his prior life as a resistance leader. Yeah. Because he tells a story about how they had a resistance meeting, but he posted guards outside 24 hours, or watchers 24 hours before to look for anybody who might crash the meeting, and no one came, so he thought they were safe, but they went in, and Travis was already in there. He'd been there for two days, probably met in the parking garage. When I was imagining the story, they met in the parking garage. (laughs) All right. And he Blake said that they surrendered, but Travis just ordered his guards to start firing. People were dying. People were diving for non-existent cover. Blake was the only one who made it out of there alive. 
Yeah, Blake got a gun off a guard apparently, and but he got hit in the leg and went down. And he saw Travis, and he he shot, and he shot Travis, and he he saw Travis go down. He was pretty sure that he killed Travis, but he didn't. He didn't. So, so yeah. And then Blake's like, and then I and then I had my mind wiped, and then they made me confess to a bunch of things I didn't do, and then they they basically made me apologize and say I wasn't in my right mind, and then the resistance kind of collapsed, and then they held me up as a model citizen, and then they like wiped my mind again. That was in episode one. You guys like weren't there for that. They wiped my mind again. And they had a false trial where I basically I basically pled not guilty to child diddling, but <laughs> and the you rest guys didn't is know history. that. <laughs> yeah, so. I guess sort of a nice setup for a, a rival character to Blake mm-hmm. in, a, in a larger capacity than Avon, I guess. <laughs> well, an actual like rival, rival, because Avon, Avon, yeah, talks a big game, but he hasn't done anything yet about <laughs> yet. it. You know, he he talks the talk, but he hasn't walked the walk yet, and so he doesn't really seem like any sort of. He doesn't seem like a threat. Yeah, he doesn't seem like a, an antithesis character to, to Blake, no, an no. antagonist to Blake. Especially I mean, since he's on Blake's side, yeah, uh, you most know, of in, the time. in name, whereas Travis is, you know, a member of the Federation. So the evil Federation, who's killing everyone, do it. <laughs> and yeah, this is—it's kind of cool how they they edit this because Blake, Travis starts telling the story to Silverland, and then it like zooms in on a picture of Blake, and then it. It cuts to Blake explaining the same, the rest of the yeah, story. that's a pretty common technique. I mean, now, but I don't know how common it was in uh, 1978. So, yeah, pretty cool there. Yeah, Travis, before they actually explain the story, Travis goes back to Kentaro to find out what went wrong. And he, he finds the, the guards and scientists or the cleanup crew, I guess, and scientists just sort of not doing their job. Well, they started cleaning up, and Travis I mean, like, I thought I told you not to touch anything till I got here. And the guy's like, I thought we could get started before you got here. Travis is like, don't disobey my orders again. I, I thought Travis was just going to start shooting people, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> and then they find Callie, who's miraculously still alive. Yeah. And um, they uh, take her into custody uh, as a trap for Blake. Yeah, well, not a, not as a trap yet, because... Travis doesn't realize he can set it up as a trap till he oh, finds yeah, out that they have the cipher Blake machine. Has a cipher machine. But he doesn't know they have the cipher machine yet because... I mean, he basically it, finds out right now because... Well, he figures out that there's something off because he says that they could have set the charge in 30 seconds and then left, but they stuck around for 5 to 10 minutes, so they had to have been doing something else, but they don't know what else. So he tells them to categorize every piece of machinery <laughs> in that room in the next 6 hours, and the guy's like, it's going to take like at least a month, and he's like, 6 hours have it done <laughs> six hours so eventually figures out that they stole the cypher machine and uh servalan he, he reports that to servalan who decides that they need to change the codes or else blake will know exactly what they're doing and travis, but travis like, comes no. up with the idea to lure use the fact that they can read the codes to lure them into a trap yeah well because he says if they change the codes then blake will know that they know that he's got the cypher machine it reminds me a lot of like when they cracked the Enigma code in World War Two, and they, well, they cracked a code, a German code in World War Two, but they couldn't act on it. it they, they like learned of an attack that was going to happen, but they couldn't act on it because then the Germans would know that they had broken the code, and then the Germans would change their code, and they'd have to go through all the process of cracking it again. Mm-hmm. And there was like a big debate about whether or not they should act upon the information and try to stop the attack, or if they should consider the potential future intelligence gained 
by cracking the code to be more valuable than stopping the attack. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it doesn't go that in-depth in the, in the show, but, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, it's an interesting conundrum because it, it it's kind of like how do you weigh the future against what you know like now. potential lives that could be lost. Yeah. Like, how do you weigh the potential lives that could be lost versus the ones that you know are going to be lost if you... If you Don't you know. do anything. Yeah. But yeah, they set, they set up this trap with Callie. Yeah, they basically send this, this message. It's like, we have someone alive from the Liberator. <laughs> super, super non-suspicious <laughs> message. We have this person alive. They were on the Liberator. Just, just, just keep them f- for torture. <laughs> Torturer. Callie tells Travis that Blake will never come back for her. And Travis is like, oh, yeah. <laughs> as soon as Blake hears the message, he's like, well, we gotta go back for her. Everyone's like, oh, man. <laughs> I didn't really like her anyway. No. <laughs> I don't know. Phyllis seemed to like her quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, they go back for her. Obviously. Uh, but they... <laughs> but they they use Travis's own ploy against him because Travis is like, Blake will be here any minute now. Gonna be here any minute now. And he goes out and he's like, mm, where's Blake? Comes back in the room and Blake and Callie. Uh, Callie, well, I guess Blake had just been hiding there for longer than Travis had anticipated. Freeze Callie and they're like, so long. There was a scene where uh, uh, Travis orders Callie to be like, they, to inject some chemicals into her, which will cause her like pain. But then I was thinking... You know, I was thinking about this because I was thinking about how, like, uh, you know, like pepper or not pepper, like pepper, spicy things are spicy to humans, but they're not like spicy to birds. They're like really, they really like those things yeah, because well, the, spice is pain. So it, like it'll affect your, it, it, it's, it's, it's like pain on your taste buds. So I guess you don't have mm-hmm. the same taste buds. You're not going to taste it, I guess. I yeah. Know. But like to birds, it's like a really... You know, they really like it because it, it you know, it, it makes them feel pleasure. So I was thinking, like, what if these chemicals they're injecting into Callie, like, just don't make <laughs> her feel super pain? strange? Yeah, what if they're like, <laughs> what if they're like, to her species, they're like steroids. <laughs> to her metabolism, it just metabolizes as like, maybe it's like LSD, she just starts tripping in the chair. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's, I don't feel like that's something that I've ever seen approached in a in a science fiction show that, like, these chemicals that they're injecting into these other species. I'm sure they, some story or, no, or another does it. Yeah, I mean, and I like to see it because I think that's an interesting idea. That, yeah. That she seems react. similar enough to a human that they would, you know, know. Yeah. She does. And it seems like... <laughs> Plus it, it seems it, like it, they... It, yeah. It, I mean, I don't think her species is like totally alien to humans because she was working with the Federation... Or, sorry, the Resistance. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but uh, it's just an interesting thing to think about. But yeah, so Blake frees Callie, and then <laughs> he had okay. He has they have um, Travis at gunpoint, and uh, Travis is like, "All right, then, just end it, kill me, Blake." And Blake's like, "You're not important enough to kill Travis," which I guess is like a huge blow to Travis's pride since he wants to be remembered. But like, come on, just he's a deadly commander. Like, I mean, I think but, this is going to come back to bite them. But Blake also says, like, if he killed Travis, he'd just be replaced. And I can kind of see why Blake wouldn't kill him then, because Blake knows Travis, so he knows how Travis would think. So if he leaves Travis in command, he knows 
his enemy kind of thing. I guess. Whereas if he kills Travis, Travis could be replaced with some complete rando that Blake has no idea how he acts. But Travis seems a lot more competent than anyone else and seems like a huge threat. So I definitely think this is going to come back to bite them later on. I mean, it probably will, but at the same time, Blake doesn't know that other Federation commanders are incompetent nubbins. I mean, maybe, I don't know. I don't know. Blake doesn't, Blake seems to like really underestimate the Federation at times. (laughs) But anyway, Travis is extremely, uh, Dis- uh, maybe not distraught at this, but like hates Blake even more. Is like the the one guy who he was unable to kill now thinks he's unimportant and uh, just a nobody. So he's like, "I'll get you one day, Blake. I'll Blake's get you like, one right. day." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's kind of how the episode ends. Just Travis. Well, they beam up to the Liberator, and Blake's just like standard by six speed. Well, actually, Gan tells the computer to set battle computers to. To interceptor evasion. Also, at one point, Travis asks for these new, I don't know, starship class starships from <laughs> Serverland. Serverland's like, we've only built three of those ever, and they're all assigned to the Ninth Fleet. And Travis is like, get me those spaceships, or Blake's not going to be dead. <laughs> Serverland's like, okay, okay. Doesn't use the ships in his plan, though, so. Those will probably come back later, I suspect. They, uh, uh, sure. Travis maybe. wants them because they're the most advanced ship the Federation has ever built, and Blake's got a they're ship still that's still not as good that, as the yeah, Liberator. But Blake's got a ship that's still well above and beyond anything <laughs> the Federation has ever even, you know, thought of constructing. Yeah, that that actually brings up something I was going to bring up, which is that you know, as as I continue to watch, I'm really hoping they actually go into like the backstory of the Liberator. Because otherwise, it's just a massive coincidence that Blake is like able to do anything. Because it's basically all on the Liberator. I mean, if he didn't have the Liberator, mm-hmm. kind of just be, you know, dead. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I'm guessing that it's not. It's going to be revealed that like, oh, it wasn't a coincidence that they found the Liberator or something like that. Mm-hmm. Although oh. I mean, I don't know. Maybe knowing like 1970s BBC television, like maybe it is just a massive coincidence. Yeah, maybe they it was never just a into. massive stroke of luck that the Liberty <laughs> just drifted into the London while they were being transported on that prison ship. I mean, I honestly suspect that that's m- more likely to be the explanation than anything else. <laughs> I'd like them to to at least explain maybe a little bit of where, where the Liber- where the Liberator's from because you know <laughs> would be nice. There's this ship that's way more advanced than the Federation, which implies that there's... They don't know anything about it either. Yeah, which implies that there's some sentient species somewhere in the galaxy that's way more advanced than the Federation. So the question is, why hasn't the Federation encountered them before, I guess? Or or have they encountered them before and they just, like, kept it secret? Or, you know, that's kind of also something interesting to think about. It's kind of an implication of the Liberator just being the super advanced ship that's not (laughs) being explained. Hmm. yeah it just ends with him running off to who knows where away from another federation patrol for the (laughs) third week in a row federation seems to have a lot of patrols yeah i didn't one thing that i didn't notice until this episode and i'm surprised i didn't notice this was that the the blake seven logo is the federation logo Mm -hmm. i didn't know that previously which like calls into question how the Liberator can display the logo on its like radar thing. <laughs> Maybe it's it's stored in its data banks. I mean, like we said a couple of weeks ago, it was weird that the Liberator, for being an alien spaceship, 
knows seems perfect for like Blake's crew. Yes, well, it seems perfect for Blake's crew, but also like knows all these planets and systems that Blake talks about using like Federation terminology. Yeah. Yep. Because uh, you know it's unlikely but that then, a, an alien species would categorize the planets with the same names. But then again, like Zen read their minds, so. Yeah, that's also true. That's also a thing that just hasn't been touched on since they first introduced Zen, which is that Zen is also telepathic. Or, yeah, psychic. To some extent, at least. Um, But hopefully they actually do things with with that. Yeah, Zen is the least developed character on the show so far. Come on, get it together, Terry Nation. (laughs) You introduce a sentient computer who's psychic and you don't do anything with it. The big mistake, Terry Nation. Big mistake. Other than that, good episode. Really like how it introduced uh, Travis and Servalan. Mm-hmm. Both of whom, I think, are, are recurring. Yeah, they both are. Characters slash antagonists slash yeah. villains, depending on who you want to consider the good guys in this story. <laughs> yeah, Servalan is like one of the most popular characters on the show, similar to Avon. So, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe it's because she gets all the cool lines as well, I guess. I don't know. <clears throat> She seemed pretty witty and, and intelligent in this story. Yeah, yeah. But uh, she was definitely not the main villain no, no, of this she, no, she story. Wasn't. She wasn't. So, you know, maybe she'll get more development later on. Maybe Travis will die and then will take matters in her own hands. <laughs> yeah, somehow I doubt that. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, somebody has to die at the end of this. Either Blake or Travis, one of the two of them would die. Well, I already know what happens, and so I'm just kind not of like a, say a Sherlock Moriarty situation that uh, one or both of them has to die at the end of all of this. Yeah, it's, I'm just not going to say anything. Anything like, I say would be a massive spoiler. So, massive spoiler <laughs> like Blake's the main focus of the show, mostly. Anyway, yeah, good episode. You can email us at the doctor at decorativevegetable.com. Questions, comments, concerns, ingredients, love letters, your thoughts on. Servalan and Travis, both of them together. And also that guy that Servalan may or may not be sleeping with. <laughs> they like to sit really tenderly on the couch and she's like caressing his arm. So that was interesting. Anyway, you can find us on YouTube at Decorative Vegetable. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Google Play at Zenith or just look for Blake7 on those platforms. <laughs> we know that works. And leave a rating if you like the show. We like reading feedback. Check us on Facebook, Trust Your Doctor. Like us on Facebook. Also check us out on Twitter at TYD Podcast and follow us on Twitter. And next time we're watching Mission to Destiny. But until then, the end. <laughs>